So we're going to go through our series today on the book of Ephesians. We're going verse by verse. If you're new with us, we are so glad you are here. You are our favorite person in the entire world. If this is your first time here at a 9 a.m. service, we love you so much. Now, what we're doing is going verse by verse. So we're in a section right now that's kind of a big section, and it's learning about the Christian character. Like, how do we live as Christians? And we're at the part where we should not steal, but we should share. Can everybody go, ooh, yes, we are at the part where we're going to talk about stealing and thieves and people taking stuff that doesn't belong to them. Here's a review of the book of Ephesians if you just want to look up here. Basically, we're going through it verse by verse. The first four chapters was everything we like to call heavenly minded. It's where Paul was telling us he's the author of the book and the people who are he's writing to live in a city called Ephesus. That's why it's called Ephesians. And so the first four chapters, he's like, man, put your mind on this, man. Think about this. Be heavenly minded. Think about how God saved you by grace. Think about how he's raised you up. Think about how he's going to start a new humanity with Jew and Gentile that's going to rule upon the earth. That's the kingdom coming. And he was praying for them and teaching them the creed of the Christians. And then he says, this is the ministry of the church. This is what the church is going to do. And then everybody say, earthly good. Thank you. Earthly good then means this is what we're going to do now with all that information we got up here. Because Christianity is not just information, it's transformation that brings revelation to the nations. Amen? It shows the nations what's up. It reveals to them what's going on. But we have got to bring that revelation because we have the transformation based on the information. So you you got to have them both. So the earthly good is instructions on Christian living. And that's what I was telling you guys before as a pastor. That's not the easy stuff. If I want to just get you guys saying amen all the time, I'll just tell you about how, how Paul prayed for you to know God's love or, or how God uh, is going to do something amazing in your life and measurably more than you can ever think, ask, or imagine. All of that is in the beginning of the book, but the tough stuff comes in the earthly good, and that's what we're in right now, that first part, instructions for Christian living, and then instructions for the family and job, you know, and then instructions on spiritual warfare, and then the final greetings. So I want want to uh, really just ask you to read the book of Ephesians every week on your own, and if you just take it one chapter a day, you can read it in six days, and then have a day to read something else, or if you read it all in one day, it only takes about 20 or 30 minutes, and I hope that you see this transition, and that whatever we're learning here in the Christian living, you do from the standpoint of being heavenly minded, seated in heavenly places with Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, thank you. Here is the breakdown of the Christian living section. So if you look right here, Christian living. It's from chapter 4, 17 to chapter 5, verse 20. These are the 17 messages we're going through right now, breaking them down. And we are on number 5. Do not steal, but work hard so that you may have something to share. All these notes are online and on our app, so you can check it out if you want to follow along. If you're in Ephesians 4, 17, can I hear and I'm there? Thank you. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So what are we going to talk today about? Not stealing. We're going to talk about working hard and being generous. And one of the ways we're going to learn to do that is with God and with our money and not stealing our money from God even in tithes and offerings. Oh, snap, it gets quiet when I preach like that. But we steal from God when we don't give our tithes and offerings. But hold on. You may not even think you're stealing because you might be thinking like a Gentile. How does a non-Christian, which is equivalent there to the term Gentile, how does a non-Christian think about money and the church? Let me see if you can fill in the blank. Those churches got too much money. All them preachers want is your 
Oh, you've heard it too then, haven't you? You've heard it too, right? You've heard how the world thinks about church and money. So don't give your money to the church. Give it to the Red Cross. Give it to this. Give it to that. Don't give it to the church. But hold on. My friends, what inspired places like the Goodwill, the Salvation Army? What inspired America to be a nation of charity was the church. Now, you might think to yourself, well, pastor, I know this pastor who stole money, and I know this church, and I'll say, amen, I agree. And if they don't repent, they will go to hell. This is what Jesus said. Jesus talking to Matthew said, you cannot serve God and money. You cannot have two masters. You will hate one and love the other, love one and hate the other. So let me ask you something. Does what a pastor or a church has done with money in the wrong way get you off the hook from doing it in the right way? No, just because there's a McDonald's there doesn't mean you have to eat it all the time. You can go to Five Guys. Come on, somebody. You can go to Nini's Deli. Just because there's a bad church that wastes money doesn't mean you stop going to church. Find the one that uses the money for God's glory. That's why today we are a minimalistic church. You can see how we make it happen in this smaller storefront because we are minimalistic so we can do the most for the community, for the outreaches, so that people know this is a church reaching out to them with all of the 13 different life groups, with all the different ministries that are happening, F-R-E-E, free. Can I hear an amen? But do you think like a Gentile when it comes to money? When it comes to what you work hard for, you need to think like a Christian. Let me give you another example. This is just the first verse of the passage. i got so much to read, and trust me, it's going to get really clear to you. But I want to give you the big overarching picture as we talk about you and your money and whether or not you're stealing it from God and how you use what you have. Let me ask you this. Do you think like a Gentile when it comes to the very fact that you have money? Because how do Gentiles, how do non-Christians think about when it comes to money? They think about it like, it's my money. It's mine. I can do with it what I want. I worked hard for this. This belongs to me. Now, let me ask you something. Is that the Christian perspective of money? Let me give you an example to help you see it. Maybe this will open your eyes a little bit. Imagine uh, there's been some type of an apocalyptic thing, right? And there's no resources. There's no farms. There's no grocery stores. Everything's been devastated. And as far as you can tell, there is only one place that has everything you need, okay? And let's say it's this city, you know, and this city has everything you need. And let's say you go there and a person takes you into their house and says, listen, I have stockpiled all of these things. I've got all these canned goods. I have all of these vegetables that I've, I've dried and stored and all of these meats and all of these things, you're good. Stay here. Live here with me. Do whatever you need to do to survive. I got you. Now imagine if all they said to you was, just leave a little bit for me to eat. Just, just leave me just a little bit to eat. Now let me ask you something. When you're eating those hot dogs and you save like one or two for that person that lives in that house, are you really giving them one or two hot dogs? No, you're just not taking what they said don't take. They said you can have everything else, just leave me something. Now I want you to understand this when it comes to all the money, all the resources that you have. God says 100% of it's mine. All of it's mine. I just want you to give back to me this small percentage. Y'all get quiet? 
You don't like that example? I was riding my bike for a long time working that out in my head. Y'all should get something from that. I am so serious. That should, like, really connect something. Because guess what? If you say, no, 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 I did it. In the scenario, I'm the one working and doing all this. Okay, let's back up and see what you have. Okay, so you have a body. You gave that to yourself? You gave that to yourself? You you gave that? Do you know, everybody, listen to me. This will just mess with you philosophically. Do you know that nothing actually belongs to you? Not one thing? The very fact that your mother could eat food from God's green earth, digest it, and put it into her body, and that make your brain, and now your brain and heart and organs live off the minerals from God's green earth, and then you utilize the oxygen from God's green earth. You don't own anything. You don't own a thing. A thing, not even a thing. You have not a thing, nothing. That's literally what you have. And if somebody says, no, I got a thing, show me a thing that is yours. Your brain, will, when it dies, will decompose, go back to the earth. Somebody will plant a garden there, a vegetable garden, then eat from the decomposing of your brain and body. Some of them are actually doing this now, by the way. You can be buried in, in a compost and be part of you know, the recycling of earth. And then somebody will eat you in that sense, not a cannibalistic sense, and then grow another brain. Are you all listening to me? I told you it would mess with me, uh, mess with you uh, uh, philosophically, but that is that is how deep it is. So actually, my example of you being in a house, borrowing the clothes, sleeping in the bed, and just leaving a couple hot dogs for the owner, it's not even a close example. It's you literally being nothing, not a thing, and God providing every single thing, and then Him saying, "Here's just what I ask. I want you to give back ten percent." I want you to give to what I'm doing. Now, here's what you could say. Well, I'm willing to give it to God, Joe. I'm willing to give it to God. It's just the church. It's just men that I'm not so confident in. Well, you know what? God said to trust the church. God commanded you to trust the church. So the idea is here is that if God can be good in your life, God can be good in a church's life. Are you all getting this? Because a church is about community. It's not about the steeple. It's about the people. You ever remember that in Sunday school? It's not, y- y'all didn't go to Sunday school. Let's go like this, okay? Everybody go like this. Put your hands like this. Here is the church. Here is the steeple. You look inside. There are the people. See? There, y'all went to Sunday school with Pastor Joe this morning. It's not about the steeple. We're not paying the money for just this building. We're not working in the kingdom of God for this, for, you know, this stage, which is built amazingly. Thank you, Carlos, for building it for us. It's not this. It's for the people. It's for us to get together and to love on each other in homes and and on the streets and meeting strangers and inviting them into our lives and then sharing life together and preparing for the world to come. Because as Christians, it's not that we're sadistic that we talk about death all the time. No, the reason why we talk about death all the time is because it's the most inevitable thing of life. Is you all die. We all die. That's the most inevitable thing. And so what we're saying is what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. We're understanding the kingdom principle. Store up treasures in heaven where moth nor rust can take them away, but you'll have them forever. 
We actually believe that the life to come, the eternal life, is longer than this temporary life. In comparison, this temporary life is but a vapor. It is but a mist. And the eternal life is what lasts forever. And so do not think about the finances and your job and your career and even your family the way Gentiles do. They are futile in their thinking because here's the deal. Let's just say at the end of the day, as I, this is my first introduction. I have two introductions. Somebody say, help us, Lord. I haven't even got to the second introduction, and then I have a message. But watch. Listen to this. You may say, Pastor, I don't believe in all that religious stuff. You know, you had a good example. I'll give it to you, but I still don't believe it. Here, Here's my last thing to say, how futile you are to think about money, job, family without God in the middle of it. Let me just tell you right here, uh, when you die, how much do you take with you? Nothing. Not a thing. When you die, do you take your brain with you? When you die, you take your checkbook with you? I just handed out awards for academic success in our Bible college. Do you take the awards with you? Do you take your family with you? You go alone. And if you believe, as we do in the Bible, that you are a soul, your soul, and that's what we mean, stands naked before God. We're not talking about, like, biology class, you're naked before the Lord, you know, in that sense. We're talking like you're not in a physical body anymore, and you're before God as a soul. And that is how it ends. That's how this life ends. Now, that is a beginning to what we now call eternal life. So for us who have lived with Christ, we're ready now for him to come and give us a resurrected body to live forever on the earth after judgment day and to receive the reward for our obedience upon this life, upon this earth. And so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer think as the Gentiles do, as the Italians do, as the Americans do, as the Puerto Ricans do, as the African Americans do, as the Mexicans do, according to money, according to job and career, in the futility of their thinking. They are, all of them, all non-Christians, the Polish, the European, the Chinese, the Australian, all those who don't know God are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They are ignorant. I cannot live like an Italian. I cannot live like an American. I cannot live like somebody I've seen on TV, like a politician. I have to live not like a man, but the God-man, Jesus Christ, because he said he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father but through him. So I will not be ignorant. I will be wise to what life really is about. And so if you meet people who are ignorant, they don't know what they don't know. That's what an ignoramus is. They don't know what they don't know. I am ignorant of rocket engineering, rocket science. I don't know how they do it. But the problem with the ignorant in the Christian sense is that they don't know, but they pretend like they know. Don't let someone deceive you because they have a hard heart. You know if you're a Christian in your heart, God is alive and he's real and he's speaking to you, right? Amen? Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality. So to indulge in every kind of impurity, they are full of what? They are full of, oh, wow. So one of the things that marks a non-Christian's mentality is that they are full of 
agree. Those of you who have been coming around for a while, isn't it something how every time, I got 17 messages based off this Christian conduct, but isn't it something that every time I can read through the same passage and put into it the very thing we're going to be learning about that day? Like last week we talked about uh, not having an angry uh, temper and so, and so forth. Then we could read it in that text. Paul is such a great writer. God is using him. And here in the middle of it, you're like, oh, man, where, what's pastor going with the money thing? I don't see it in the passage, you know. But there he shows you. Pastor's not making it up. When Paul gets down to this thing about money and stealing even further, he has already built the point up. And that is one of the attributes of the unbelievers that they're full of greed. What is greed? Uh, how is it defined according to the Bible? Greed, according to the Bible, is taking and having what doesn't belong to you, wanting what doesn't belong to you, that belongs to God and to others. So you can be greedy and be broke. Sometimes people think the rich people are greedy. Socialism is a sin. I don't have time to preach that to you. But the God of this Bible is not a socialist. Just read the parable of the talents and see how he judges them based on what their work performance was. But listen, greed can be in the heart of the poor and the rich. I used to work in the inner city and, and, and the housing projects, and I never saw as much greed there. Uh, I never saw as much greed there as I did in the suburbs. I saw more there in the inner city projects than I saw in the suburbs I grew up in. See, it gets quiet again in this church. Y'all from the hood? Y'all defending the hood right now? You got, a, you got a dog in the fight right now? Man, pastor talking about the hood. Don't you be talking about them jacks. Pastor, come on, you a white boy. What you know about them jacks? Project for short, if you don't know. I've been around. I got my street cred. No, I worked in the city of New Orleans where projects is almost the, 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 the dominant way to live. I'm talking that was a disaster before Katrina. I'm talking I worked in nine different housing projects from where the hot boys were from in Magnolia uh, projects to where uh, Kalio projects where Master P and No Limit Soldiers were from. I I've been to all of them in that area serving and giving to people, and I've seen more greed there than I would see in the suburbs. And you say, how in the world can that be? Because whatever they had, it was never enough. And I've seen people say, this is enough. I've actually seen, I, I, I know people right now in my life that right now wanted to go blow $20,000 on a casino could go do it. But they won't do it because they don't need that. But I would watch people in the hood go blow their $500 check at the casino. Do you understand that? Because it's never enough. Hello, somebody. I would go to the hood. This is what I would do. I would give out Christmas stuff all during the time of the Christmas season. And I would just, you know, I, you have compassion. I would just feel so much love for the people. And I'm thinking to myself, man, they, they probably don't have much coming their way. But then you know what I would see happen the very next day of Christmas? I would go around there the next day, 26, and I would see all the dumpsters filled to the brim, overflowing garbage on the parking lot floor with all the Nike boxes and all of that. And then people would come to me at the end of that month and say they don't have enough to pay rent. Coming into January, no money to pay rent. Why? Because they wasted it on those things. Now, you may say that's a product of the system. They haven't been taught right. I agree with you. But my point is we all have to be careful with the sin of greed because greed marks the person that doesn't know how to give to God what is God's, how to help others in need, and they always want more. My name is Jimmy, and I'll take all you will give me. I want more. And they just have to have it.
Now, can the rich be greedy? Of course. The Bible talks about that as well. But I just wanted to make sure because I know not many here have a million in the bank. And so you may think this is only talking about them, but this could be talking to you. So from the ghetto to the pento, the penthouse, this is for everybody. Amen. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in accordance with the truth that is in him. So what's the point here? We were taught not to think like this. We were taught not to have a hard heart. We were taught not to live in impurity, not to be greedy. We were taught to live like Jesus. Amen. Verse 22, you were taught in regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is corrupted by its deceitful desires. So not only are we deceived with money, but we're deceived with all kinds of things. We're deceived with the way we eat food. Just think about it right right now. Why do you think there's more obesity now than there was 50 years ago? Now, once again, somebody may say, well, it's it's what they're putting in the food, the fast food and all this. Yeah, but nobody's forcing them to eat it. Nobody's like stuffing it down their face. We used to live on farms. Almost all of our people, you follow my people, Italian and Polish, where do we go back to about 1,500 years? Farms. Follow your people, where are you at? Farms. We're all on farms. Do you know what they have on farms? A lot of food. Like a lot of food. I'm talking like a lot of pigs, like a lot of lechon. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Hey, I'm talking like my grandpa butchering his own cows. How many know what I'm talking about? You could eat as much as you want. Just make another cow, you know. I mean, obviously, at some point, if they ate it all, they would have nothing to sell. But the point is, why did the farmer stop eating at a certain point? Why didn't he keep eating the bacon, eating the bacon, eating the, you know, why? Because they had a sense of self-discipline. I got to get up and go to work. I got to do this. And so could it be that from the way we eat to the way we spend money to the way we look at the world, it is deceitful? That we think our pleasures will make us happy. We think the pleasure of food will make us happy. So we pursue food. We think the pleasure of sex. Hey, don't you think there were people around in the 50s and 40s to have sex with? Of course. But why didn't they have all that they're doing now? You say, well, that was just culturally the wrong thing. Yeah, but they could hide. You know, they could hide and do it. Why was it the revolution of the sex revolution? Why, why is it now instead of then? Why? Because they understood if I have sex with my wife and then I go have sex with a woman that's not my wife, the sex I had with the woman that's not my wife is still called sex. The body parts are still the same. The motion of the ocean still works the same. Are you listening? But here's what I lose when I have sex with this other person. I don't gain anything. I don't gain a different experience. But here's what I lose. I lose the respect of my children. I lose the respect of my wife. That's why men, not under the fear of law, not just because of their culture, but because they honored their family. They saw the pleasure and the honor of family greater than going somewhere else to find sexual gratification. I remember my mom said that to me. I know that's grown-up talk, but when I told her about one of my friends who's a pastor that cheated uh, on his wife, she said, what did she, what did he think that that woman had his wife didn't have, you know? Hello, y'all listening to me. Y'all get, y'all get quiet when I preach like this. How many know the body parts are the same? What do you get out of that? But you're trying to fill a hole in the uh, the soul, aren't you? That's really what it is. You're trying to fill a hole in the soul. You were taught in regard to the former way of life, put off your old self. Stop doing it that way. Stop doing life with the physical, new to the spiritual, because your physical can deceive you to be made new in the attitude of your what? To be made new in the attitude of your, come on, help me, in the mind. Come on, in your minds and put on the new self. Created to be like who? Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So here's the deal. Pray for me that I don't abuse money. Pray for me that I don't waste my time and talents. And I'll pray for you 
But no one's going to heaven pointing the finger saying, I didn't obey God. I didn't obey you because of this joker over here. Nobody gets away with that. Nobody. So let us all take off the old. Put on a new way of thinking. If Jesus told me to give 90%, I would give 90%. I would do whatever he asked me to do. I was a giver before I was ever uh, even a pastor. It just made sense to me. If God saved me, if it all belongs to him anyways, and I believe the book, and it's not hard to read. It's pretty, you know, know, they say it's about a sixth grade level, you know, and I can understand it. Amen. Yes, I will obey it. How many are just going to do it like that? Just be a disciple that obeys the commands of Jesus. Whatever area it touches of life, I'm going to be like God. Everybody say, be like God. Well, I thought nobody was like God. I thought we were all just sinners on our way to hell. Ain't nobody perfect. But what does the Bible say? You can be born again. Amen? Well, I was born a sinner, but I can be born again a saint. I was born my first time in a naughty nature. Now I'm born again into a divine nature. This is the expectation. Amen? Here are some of the things that we've already gotten into. Therefore, each of you put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. How many think that would be an awesome culture? How many think that would be great in politics, right? No matter what side you're on, how many would just like everybody to tell the truth? Amen? For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. How many liked that message last week? I laid myself bare. I told you about my sins of anger. I mean, I literally felt like I was in a counseling session. I laid it all out. If you want to hear your pastor tell his business, listen to last week's message again and again and again. And then please pray for me. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. So anger gives the devil a foothold. Here's what we're going to talk about today. Verse 28. Let's read together. One, two, three. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do you get it? I'm building up to that point. We'll talk next week about our words, so you all better come if you have a hard time choosing the right words. The Bible says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander. I lost my place right there. Along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Can I hear an amen to that? Chapters and verses don't exist in the original text, so we'll keep reading through. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. Wow, did you catch that? And the way of love is a way of giving. Did everybody just see that? The way of love is the way of giving. How many had family members that their way of loving you was giving? How many had good parents that their way of loving was, was, was giving? Come on. How many of you love to give in love? You just love to give. You just, you just got to give something to show people you love them. I'm the same way. It's just I'm out to eat with you. I want to I treat you out. Uh, I have something. I want to give it to you if you can use it. I mean, we get to this place in life where we see that the, the gift is in the giving. You know, that's why the Bible says it's better to give than it is to receive. You, you know what I'm talking about. Most of you who live with this Christian mentality, when someone's giving it to you, it's always weird. It's like, oh, man, I don't know. You don't have to. You don't have to take me out. I got money, you know. But, but when you want to take somebody out, you're like, no, let me, let me, right? Isn't that something? Because as a Christian, your mindset changed. As a Christian, you really want to be the one giving. Where does that come from? That comes from God. That comes from love. That doesn't come from the animal kingdom. That doesn't come from the goo through the zoo to you by evolution. That comes from your soul. That comes from God. 
Because in the animal kingdom, dogs eat dogs. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Might is right. The one in charge sets the rules. And you know what China's dictator just did? He just said, I'm going to do you all a favor. I'm going to take off time limits so I can be here until I die. If you want to talk about real dictatorship, look at China right now. Pray for them in the church because they're already tearing down the churches. They're, they're, they're screwing down on the persecution. That's why I always wear this bracelet to remember to pray for them. And he just did that. Now, you see, my friends, that's not the way of love. That's the way of dictatorship. But here's the thing. God's not a dictator. God's not going to make you give. God's not going to make you share. That's called stealing. God doesn't steal then from you. If God said, I'm going to give this to you, like this is the life I give, it is a gift. He says, I'm going to ask you to give it back. I'm going to ask you to give those resources back. But he will not force you to give it back. He's, he's not like today, you're not going to look at your phone and, and you go to your app to check your bank and you're like, whoa, where did that 500 just go? Oh, Metro Praise? Who did that? And then a little note, God, you know. No, he's not going to do that. He's not going to hack your account and make you start giving to the church. He wants to know, do you love him in the same way he loves you? See, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. That was freely and now he is saying to you, do you want to give to me? Do you want to give a fragrant offering to me? Do you want to give a sacrifice to me? See that word there, offering, sacrifice? How many know offerings and sacrifice come when you give to God? And especially financially. I heard some groans. Oh, yeah. You all just tired? Can I at least hear an amen? Amen. Thank you. But among you, there must not even be a hint. A hint. Watch this. Watch this. How many are allergic to stuff? I'm allergic to MSG. My daughter's allergic to peanuts. How many y'all allergic? Come on, keep your hands up. How many know just a hint of it can blow your day up? Just boom, that quick. I went to the, uh, the mall with my daughter. We're going to the candy store. We're getting out stuff. One thing, one thing gets put into that bag that she didn't know that had a peanut in it. She puts it in her mouth. Within moments, she can feel it. You can see her face starting to turn red. I, I start to fear aphylactic shock. Dude, I literally just grabbed her by the hand, ran out the mall, got into my minivan, and found the maximum speed of that minivan and drove to where my wife was, where she had the Benadryl and all of those things. Man, I'm telling you, a hint of something can blow you up. And the Bible says, don't even let there be a hint of sexual immorality. But watch, let's go to the next one. Or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving for this you can be sure. Okay, how can we be sure? Because Paul said it. No, because Jesus said it, and Paul's repeating it. No immoral, impure, or what kind of person? Greedy person, such person is a idolater. So according to God, a greedy person equals a idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So greedy people who are idolaters have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Now look at verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. All the church wants is your, then pastors have too much. Don't let nobody deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you once were darkness, but now you are in the light. Live as children of the light. Through the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. How many of you should find out what pleases the Lord? All of us, right? How about find out what pleases the Lord on your job? Find out what pleases the Lord with your savings, your 401K. Involve God in every aspect of your life. 
For the fruit of the light is, consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that's illuminated becomes a light. That's going to be awesome when we talk about that, how light comes into our life and really makes us the light of God. He said, you're the light of the world because he's the light of the world, amen? That is why it said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. How many of you, when you became a Christian, your mentality changed about money? How many of you, you're just, your mentality changed about how you're going to look to the future? It's almost like you woke up and you got it. You're like, oh, I'm going to be around for a long time. I better make this down here count. Now, you know what? I know some people that just think naively God just wants them to throw their money out and then become poor and live somewhere on a commune. That's not what the Bible's saying. There, there are some wealthy business people in the Bible that were wise. And as I was mentioning before, Jesus uses parables all the time of managers, of kings, of owners of land. Uh, the Bible then talks about people in the New Testament who are getting saved, head centurion soldiers, main leaders in the military, people who were fashion designers, Dorcas, those who were doctors and lawyers. Luke was was a doctor. There were lawyers. You see, these people were giving their hearts to God with all of their talent and resources. Barnabas, his real name is Joseph, but he got the name Barnabas, the nickname Barnabas, because that means son of encouragement, because he would sell some of his houses and give it to the church. How many know you got to be rolling if you can sell some of your houses and give it to the church? I met a man in my neighborhood that, that has 300 properties. He's a real estate man. Come on, somebody say, get him saved, Jesus. He said he's saved, but, you know, I want to have him be a giver and a supporter of the church, not necessarily this one, but a good church, because those are the people that can really be used. Now, all of us can be used, but they can make a difference, and we need to let them know, hey, God accepts you just the way you are. You don't have to become poor to become a Christian. You, you might think of the time Jesus said to the rich man, sell everything, but did the rich man have greed in his heart? Did he say that to every person? No. This rich man probably was like the little Wayne of his day. And Jesus is saying, hey, you really want to follow me? Give it all up. Are you listening to me? But that's not what he said to every single rich man. That's not what he said to everybody that followed him. Some of you all just want to be, uh, be, be in a holy huddle with only the broke, busted, and disgusted. I want to see some rich people in church that are rich in giving. Can I hear an amen to that? I want to see some Hobby Lobbies, Chick-fil-A's, some people raise up and do the thing right, as well as us ordinary folk. And really, nobody's ordinary when they give to the Lord because it's for an extraordinary cause. Amen? I could keep you here all day and tell you what five, ten dollars does in the mission field and the places we support and even in this church. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise. That's what we're talking about. Use your money wisely, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So you can be foolish just giving away your money, not having any plan to make more money. Do you all get that? So if like right now I just gave away all my money and became homeless with my kids, was that wise? But I gave away thousands of dollars. Where do I live now? And then somebody says, well, then how much faith do you have, Pastor? See, that's stupidity. That's not faith. The Bible teaches us to sow and to reap, to sow and to reap, to be able to live in a sustainable way that we can be blessed to be a blessing. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. So we're always to give thanks to God for how many things? For everything. On payday, everything. Yes. What about bill day? Everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, that was the second introduction. Are you guys ready for the message? Amen. I want to talk to you today about not stealing, but working hard and sharing. That passage that we read has three parts that I want you to recognize, and my message will be shorter than my introductions. 
When we look to this passage about not stealing, working hard, doing something useful with our hands that we may share, the connection here is not that we're just supposed to stop stealing. It's that we're supposed to also work hard that we can share. See, that's godly social impact, not what was named by Mark socialism. What is the difference? It's sharing. If you take it from me, I'm not sharing. Capitalism employs people and gives them the opportunity to gain wealth if they do something useful. Do you notice that? Useful. You have to compete to have people buy your product. And if your product is useful, the more they will buy it. Now you have gained wealth and you can share. What does communism, socialism do? They control the market, take away the incentives to work hard, and then they don't let the people share. They then make them give it. That's China. That's other places like that. Are you listening? Now, that's the problem with many of you is you're saying, well, I worked hard for it. Why should I have to give it? That's the whole point. The whole point is God's testing your heart to see if you will share. And what is the thing we teach our children? Sharing is caring. So what's the passage really teaching us? Stop stealing, work hard, and share. How many want to do that? Work hard and share. I don't think many of you are stealing, but I'll just say it again. Don't steal. How many got that down right now? Okay. If you need prayer for that, no, I want to be honest, because if you do need prayer for that, we want to help you. If you're shoplifting, if you're taking from things, if you're planning an armed robberies, don't do that. Okay. But most of you in that way may not be doing that, so you really need to hear this last part here. Work hard to what? Share. Everybody look up at me, please. What if God gave you all the talents you had, not just for you, but so you could share? How many of you, let's just be honest, everybody look, I want eye contact, please. Look up at me. I want to see your eyes. Thank you. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you looked at a bonus on your check, a increase in your company, and one of the first things that came to your mind is, thank God I can share more now. Thank God I can give more now. You know you're a Christian when you look at things that way. How many of you received tax refunds? Was one of the first things in your mind, awesome, I can share more now. Yeah, I can share more Xboxes with my kids and more shoes. No, 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 no. That's not sharing when it's in your family. I'm talking about outside your family. When you got that tax refund, did you say, awesome, I can give 200 admissions this month? Did you say, awesome, I can give back the ties that I missed in disobedience. I'm giving it back now. Did you literally think, man, I'm sharing now. I'm giving back to God what is God's. Or did you just think, well, this is going to my manny, this is going to my petty, this is going to my hair, this is, guys, this is going to my shoes, this is going to my outfit, this is going to my muffler that's going to annoy everybody in the neighborhood. Come on. I was just going to go to Bill's. Yeah, but it's still wrong if you're not thinking about sharing. I can't tell it to you any other way. I think I've given you enough examples today. And we're not talking about not paying your bills. How many still pay your bills after you can share and help others? Amen? And if you're not in a place to, God will help you. Let me give you four ways we steal from God. Four ways we steal from God. It's in the passage that Nancy wrote today, uh, read today, so I don't need to read it again. Malachi chapter 3, 6 and onward. We steal from God in these four ways. Number one, in tithes. That's 10% of our total income. This belongs to God. The government doesn't ask you for their, their take. They just take it right out. So you need to find out what your gross income is and tithe off of that. Not what you get back after 
uh, taxes are taken out, you're gross. So let's say you make a, a $1,000 a pay period. They take out their 200 You get $800. do not tithe off the 800 because that's not what you made. That's not what the government says you made. You know you made 1000 Tithe off the 1000 I've been taught to do that from day one. How many believe God blesses when you do that? I would rather have God bless my 90% than be cursed in my 100%. I sense the Lord's blessing upon my life, but I would do it even if I didn't sense one blessing because it's an obedient thing. It's obedience. It's obedience that shows that we live in God's world. Nothing belongs to ourselves. What is offerings? The Bible mentions it in that passage in, uh, in, in uh, Ephesians, excuse me, Malachi. It says, will a mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Could it be that our nation has really dipped down into greed, even in capitalism, because we stopped looking about what we're making as in sharing? Because here's the deal. If we don't know how to share with God, how are we going to share with others? Right? If we're not giving it back to God, you think that guy's going to give it back to you? Now, that's where people say, well, then the government needs to tell him give it back. Dude, that's not going to work. You can't change people's uh, hearts by forcing their hand. What I would like to compel is every successful businessman, every successful landowner, every person that's in charge that we may say is abusing their wealth, I would love to say become a Christian because those Christians who then give their tithes and offerings regularly in the church, I guarantee you they'll raise the income of their employees. That's why Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby pay their employees on a higher level than just the Walmarts or the office depots or the other places because Christians will generally think that way. How many of you think that way? Because you share with God, you give in the church, you can share more readily with others. This become a Presbyterian church overnight with the time change? Or are we still in a Pentecostal church? I just want to know. Here are two other ways we steal from God in our time and talents. Our time belongs to God to do His will. When people say, I'm too busy to go to church, my friend, that's a problem. You need to put God first in all that you do. This is His time. Do you own time? We set it back like we control it. <laughs> Has anybody thought about how foolish that is to begin with? Why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? Arizona, praise God for them, said, we're not doing that anymore. Like there are states who just said, we're just going to call time what it is. And then even then it's like, do you realize what we're doing? We're calling things time. We're calling things seasons. We have no control over any of this, my friends. You better be responsible to give it back to God. That's all I can say, amen. Because there's going to be a time when you don't have time no more. Ooh, I don't care if you get quiet on that one. That one was good. That one was good. There will be a time when you don't have time anymore. Give it to God now. Talents. God gave us our talents and abilities to fulfill his purpose in our lives. Did you know that in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, verse 18, God says, I'm the one who gives you the power to gain wealth. Well, I thought it was my hard, hard work. I'm a self-made man. No, you're a self-made mess. God gives you every good and perfect gift. Let's not forget that. Look at the verse. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. The chair you're sitting in is a part of God's covenant, and somebody had to pay for it. That means God had to give them the wealth to give that. Why don't you now give the wealth that God gave you so that more people can get saved? Give your wealth 
that more flyers can go out. More children can join the Wednesday Children's Program. More youth can come. Do you know that this church has been amazing at that? We have zero debt. Everything is paid for in cash. And that is because you have been faithful. So I don't want this just to be a challenge. I want to say thank you. But to those who don't see it that way, I pray that you do. Here are four ways we steal from people. We steal from people on our jobs when we steal their time, their products, and materials. If it doesn't belong to you, you can't take it. One, do you want people taking some of your food home every, every night? No. He'll give it to them as a gift, his employees. But, man, you just can't take the stapler and say, well, they'll get another one. That's stealing. Do not steal from your jobs. Do not take things and say, well, it's a big company. I work for Walmart. What, matter, what does it matter if I take a few of their stamps or I take a few of their pencils? It's stealing. It doesn't belong to you. Ask for permission. How many have uh, here, you've lent something out but haven't got it back? That's called stealing. How many of you got some clothes, ladies, up in your closet that aren't yours? Give them back. Friends, when you borrow things, give them back. Otherwise, it's stealing. How about the government? They steal from us when they don't have permission, and we steal from them when we use wrong information. If that social security number is not yours, don't use it. That's stealing from somebody else. If you don't live at a certain address, don't put that address. If you made a certain amount of money on tips, you better claim those tips. Otherwise, you are stealing, and God says the greedy are idolaters. You cannot go to heaven living as a thief. The community. And this is one that obviously is wrong. When we steal from the stores, when we steal from others, when we break into their homes, sadly I did this. This is what I got arrested for when I was in fifth grade, was breaking into my friend's house to get his Nintendo game and his Pop-Tarts. The neighbors saw me jacking up his door with a, with a shovel because uh, I went into his porch area and I found a shovel there and then the door wouldn't open because it was locked. So I took the shovel on the door and pried it open as a fifth grader. How many know I needed Jesus? So don't do that. Here's how we should work, okay? Here's what the Bible says to do. We work as unto the Lord. So we're going to stop stealing from God and people, and we're going to work hard as unto the Lord. So everything we do is unto the Lord. We're going to do something useful with our hands. That means we're going to start to move in the systems of the economy. You know what? If they don't need horseshoes anymore, I'm going to start selling tires. If they don't need tires anymore, I'm going to start selling hoverboards. Amen? If they don't need hoverboards anymore, I'm going to sell jetpacks. You move with the economy. You do something. What's that word? Doing something useful with your own hands. Go the extra mile. Let me say this in, in closing today. So often, some of you come to me uh, and, and you complain, man, my job does this. They want me to do this. Have you ever thought about it that your job is actually looking to you as a leader? Why are you complaining about going the extra mile? If that's not for you, then yeah, put in your two weeks, find another job. But maybe they're watching you right now to see if your management material. Because how many know managers work harder and stay late? Good managers do, right? The Bible says if, one for, if they force you to go one mile, go an extra mile. Hey, man, okay, I'll do it. And you start to show the world you're going to work that extra mile. I believe that's a key to success. You work for success. Do you know that you're supposed to look at what you're doing and say, I want to succeed at this? You're not just supposed to say, well, the Lord told me to make these beautiful things that, you know, handcrafted vases and everybody should buy them and I'm going to go to this market. You know, No, if nobody buys it, God's not in that. At some point, you have to be honest and say, what's going on here? Because 1 Samuel 18, 14 says, in everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. 
And I don't want you to feel bad if you're in a season of not having success because sometimes we face it. But be honest with yourself. What's going wrong? Because you're never too old to realign. My dad had his greatest 15 years of business the last 15 years of his business from 50 to 65. You're not too old to realign. Maybe you'll go back to school, start a new company, work for a new place, get success. Look for it as you seek God. Amen? And work to share. That's what the Bible says. So today in closing, you want to share? How many want to share? Share with others the Christian faith and discipleship. Share with people your time and resources as you do Christian charity in the world. And share with people God's wisdom. And not just giving a hand out, but a hand. Not a hand out, but a hand up. Because the Bible says that you've been given so much. You've got something to give back to others. Would you stand up and give it up for Jesus today? Amen. How many learned something? Can I hear an amen? Amen. I want us to close out in prayer as the band and altar workers come. I want us to ask God to help us not see work as a curse, even though it's a four-letter word. It's not a curse word. Come on, somebody. Work is not a curse, but a blessing, a place that God can utilize us for his kingdom purposes. I'll tell you what, I really felt bad when my brother here, he's an engineer, when he was at a service, and I said, you know what? Heaven is going to be so awesome, it's going to make everything else look like mechanical engineering, like some boring thing. And I felt so bad because then he was like, whoa, what about me? And literally, I was going to write him on Facebook, but I said, hey, I think he knows that I felt bad because he could tell. I said in the middle of the message, I felt bad. But here's the deal. Dude, for him, engineering is his purpose. He looks at nuts and bolts, things that drive me crazy. He looks at that, and he's like, this is fun. This is fun. You see, you have a purpose with your work. Some people look at what I do as the scariest thing ever. Like, man, I don't want to go and stand in front of people and talk. Like, dude, I'll do anything other than that. But, but this is my gift. What is your gift? What did the Lord give you to give back? So that's why I want to say, forgive me for that, brother, because I want to make sure I understand, you guys understand that I love everybody's gift here as your pastor. I want you to feel like I'm, I'm just as excited about what, you know, what, what Vinny does with carpet cleaning as I am about him wanting to hand out those flyers this week. Like, I want him to know, like, as he's handing out those flyers, I'm praying for his business as he's doing flyering for his business. I want you to know the church partners with you. The church is there for you. I know in our culture we don't think it that way, but in a lot of other cultures they really do. I was invited to a Filipino business opening to pray there as all the workers came. They had all the food, and they were going to start a shipping business. They said, Pastor, come and pray. And I was like, awesome. Never did it before because, you know, most, like, people I'm around don't say, come pray for my business opening. But in their mindset, that's where they had been raised up. And you know what? I said, I wish we would do that more. So please, involve us as the church in your business. If we can pray more for you in that, if you want us to come by, if, if you just have questions about, you know, issues and things that you're going through even in school, maybe, uh, maybe they're like moral questions or strategic questions. There are pastors here that can do like Daniel and seek God with you and go, hey, I'm not an engineer, but let's just pray about this and see how God can use you in your business or in your career. We're partnering with you, amen? Amen. Father, thank you today that you brought us here, not to steal, but to work hard so that we could share. 
As we're praying right now, if you've been stealing, would you repent for any of the things you've stolen? If it's God's tithes and offerings, time or talent, repent. If you've been stealing from your job or from others, borrowing things that you need to give back, stealing from the government, come on, just ask the Lord to forgive you. Those who haven't been stealing, ask the Lord to help you to work hard to share. Those who are repenting, then say, Lord, I'm going to stop stealing. I'm going to start working. I'm going to give back. I'm going to serve. In the name of Jesus, right now, let's all pray. Come on, before we go, we're not going to steal. We're going to share. We're not going to steal. We're going to share. We're going to work hard doing something useful with our hands. How many of you right now want to do something useful with your hands? Would you just raise up those hands right now? I'm going to pray for you as a pastor. Every career, every job that's represented in this church, from social work to police officers, to those who serve in the military, to those who work downtown in businesses, those who work in office settings, oh God, those in commerce, buying and selling, those in the medical industry, God, use us. Use us, Lord. Those who actually work with their hands, twisting wrenches, building things, Bless our hands, God. Now, would you just do something? You don't have to look at me. My eyes are closed, but if you can't get it from my words, you can look up at me. Would you raise your hands and say, Lord, I receive to give it away. Would you just do that in prayer? Lord, I receive to give it away. Lord, 100% belongs to you. Tell me what I keep. Tell me what I keep, Lord, because I'm willing to give it all, to, all away. If I was that rich man, God, I if that's what you saw in me, God, I would give 100%. Maybe the Lord may tell you to go move on the African mission field. He's done it before. But just say, Lord, I receive to give it away. You show me what I'm supposed to keep. Because it's not mine, God. It's not my breath. It's not my body. It's not my talent. It's all this you've done in me. And I want to be obedient to you. I receive give it away because you said giving is better than receiving oh I give it all away come on sing it out Rachel and then you can join with her because giving is better than receiving I give it all away it's better than receiving I give it all away Think about your job. Think about what you got to do nine to five. Come on. Giving is better than receiving. And I, I'm giving it all away. You tell me what to keep, but I give it all to you. A few more moments. Sing it out. A moment here can change a lifetime. God can show you what your purpose is. Show you who you're meant to share your life with. This is the answer. This is the answer to our problems in society today. If every Christian would do this, we would end world hunger. We would end all the problems with water and medical issues. A few more times, giving is better than receiving. Yes, it is. And I give it all away. Receive it. I give it all away. If
if you believe it, can I hear you say amen? Would you give it up for Jesus one more time? Thank you for coming for service. Slap your neighbor high five and say, give it all away. Give it all away. God's got your back. He'll tell you what to keep, but be willing to lay it all down. If you need prayer, come on up. We'd love to pray with you about anything, and we want to wish you.